Good morning, and welcome to a brand new episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. I'm your co-host, Dave Kale, and I am um, happy and pleased to be back after missing last time and to be broadcasting to you from Seattle, Washington, where I am on a three-month internship or study, I guess it's not study abroad, it's, I don't know what you would call it since I'm still in the U.S., but uh, on a... Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, and it is in that sense a separate country. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm working abroad for three months in Seattle, <laughs> um, and as and you, you can tell, I yeah, and I yeah, and the first thing I've done here is catch a cold, which is great, fantastic. But I'm really, really pleased and happy to be back and to get into uh, to dive into the conversation that was begun last time on Dol Guldur and bad guys and um, all the things that will be going on in the various battles. And so let me let's get right to it. Let me welcome the, my my uh, cohorts and um, you know fellowship that I get to travel with, Corey Olson and Trish Lambert. Hello. Hello. You were a miss, Dave. It just wasn't the same without you. No, I'm sorry. No, Even though we still went like two and a half hours. It still oh yeah, wasn't the yeah, same. yeah. We're still totally unrestrained. You know, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but not today. Today, again, we shall we shall return. Today we'll we'll be constrained. Yeah. We shall return to discipline. Which implies that we ever got there, but uh, but yes, anyway, right. that's okay. Um, so. Uh, so today we're going to be turning to the bad guys and sort of thinking through some things. But uh, and sort of in that connection, sort of to segue into that, Trish, there were some things that you wanted to uh, to, to bring in in conjunction with our discussions about uh, the White Council stuff from last time. I did, and um, actually the po- the the uh, link to this video that I'm going to talk about is up on the Rules of the Dark Prediction site, and I'll try to remember to also put it in the in the post on the Mythgard site for this episode. The day after our episode, we actually talked quite a bit about Saruman in the last episode, both from the White Council side and also from his going bad side. Um, in fact, he figured in the riddle um, in, in the last episode um, as a bad guy. And um, the next day, I happened to stumble across Christopher Lee's 2013 Christmas video. He apparently does a Christmas video every year. A lot of you probably know that. But um, he went, he talked about a lot of things. But one thing he spent quite a bit of time in the video on was talking about his character in The Hobbit and that we'll see a lot of him in the third movie, he thinks. Look, <laughs> he's not editor, so who knows? <laughs> I was going to say, there is precedent for Christopher Lee being in the film less than he expects to be. So, you know. I suppose he should have said he did a lot of acting for the first film. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but he also made the point, and very, a very pointed point, of saying that you will see Saruman the good in this film, that there's a lot of, you know, uh, goodwill between he and Galadriel and he and Gandalf, and, and you know, and then he says, remember, it's X, however X many years it is, you know, that you see him in The Lord of the Rings, and so he's still good at this point. And so that kind of and puts a lot to rest if you know if he's accurate that puts a lot to rest in the terms of our thinking that we'll see him at least turning bad um in in the hobbit you know for to believe christopher lee it's we're not going to see any of that so but i but i thought about it afterwards and i thought i want to know what you guys think i thought about afterwards and i thought well we can't just see him good 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 boom end and then all of a sudden he's bad in lord of the rings we've got to have some indication even if it's the smallest indication and i finally thought that maybe I don't remember any 
any reference to the Palantirs as a as a group of seeing stones in the movies. I don't think Denethor had a Palantir. We knew that you know, there was no mention of that with him. The only one we ever saw was the one in Orthanc. And I'm wondering if maybe what we'll see is him finding the seeing stone in Dol Guldur and pocketing it. You know, being lured to it much as Pippin is. And he pockets it. And that may be the only, you know, indication we see that something's going to happen. And then those of us who have seen the movies know that that's part of his badness in, in The Lord of the Rings. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a fascinating idea because it's the kind of thing I, that never occurred to me. And it never occurred to me because, of course... Like the uh, the it never struck me as odd or that it needed explanation right. that there was a Palantir in Orthanc because of course there's a Palantir in Orthanc but see everybody like, knows that. everybody knows that <laughs> but there again I'm falling back into the like I only you know I know that because I've read the books and you know when you say that Trish I mean I think it over and I I can't remember I don't think there is any there. reference. To the, I mean, we it? certainly don't know how many Palantiri there are. We certainly don't know where they've been distributed or how they've been distributed. Um, so, you know, again, the fact that one of the seven stones had been placed at Orthanc and there it was, you know, sort of ready to kind of tempt Saruman um, is is something which seems to be an idea, an idea never articulated in the films that I can recall. Um, so the idea that he that they would take that and and gi- give you know in, in providing some backstory to Saruman here in this third film that is backstory to the Lord of the Rings Saruman that we get the idea of and here's where you know here's how he got the palantir um as an obvious kind of piece of foreshadowing that's interesting i, I you know i i don't know if i if if i would sort of expect that but um yeah i don't know that i could be, i was trying to think what could be you know what could be a, some some sign i mean i just can't believe there wouldn't be anything you know that the way the way lee's talking is oh i'm just good the whole way through you know i mean it, there's just no i just i just have a hard time believing jackson wouldn't give us at least some little link you know i'm that, not even sure i believe that he's going to be in the thing that much <laughs> 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 yeah, I, it, it's hard because, you know, Christopher Lee is one of the actors that I want to give more credit to, you know, like I, I, I certainly I mean, I have respect for his genuine uh, attachment to the Tolkien books and everything, you know, that's that seems to be pretty well attested and um, and, you know, he seems to be an intelligent guy, but Maybe, yeah, I could see Jackson doing, you know, just because, I mean, you know, digital film is like, you know, there's just doesn't cost anything. I could just see him because out of his fondness for Lee, just filming a bunch of scenes with him with absolutely no intention. I have to say, it's kind of a short term investment in goodwill, isn't it? I mean, because like he's going to be three times as ticked off if he none of that stuff's actually in the film. Um, uh, Yeah. But um, wow. but yeah, I. Gerald has a really interesting suggestion. Gerald Michael says maybe Christopher Lee was talking in a relative sense to the other Hobbit movies that you know he he's you know because he wasn't in the second one at all and he was in the first one only briefly so maybe compared to that we'll get more of him, um, and well okay here's here's sort of I have. A, a problem, several problems, really, with the idea of a completely 
an unadulteratedly good Saruman for film three, Trish, you know, just as you're saying. Problem number one, um, it seems really awkward to try to do, like, it's one thing to build up somebody like, oh, look, he's a good guy. Oh, look, he's a good guy. Oh, look, he's a good guy. Until suddenly, oh, the betrayal. No. Oh, gosh. But to do that, that to do that retroactively, Know. You know, when the betrayals already happened in a film 14 years ago, you know, like yeah. that seems really <laughs> unlikely, you know, um, because everybody knows about the betrayal already. So so would I mean, it seems a strange thing to ask viewers to do, you know, to sit around and watch this and just be like, oh, I guess he's good. I should forget about the fact that he was like an evil guy in the other movies I've seen several hundred times. So, well, and especially because yeah. I mean, Jackson could be sticking with the book, with the canon, and have Saruman at least starting to turn in the Hobbit movies. You know right. what I mean? It's like, I just don't understand why he wouldn't do It's like, I mean, he's, I don't know. I guess he just is into changing everything. But I just, it just seems to me like we could, I've always, I've never thought of Saruman as being fully good through the whole entire Hobbit. I, I, I just have been waiting for sort of the the signs to start showing because in my logic why wouldn't you do that like you said i mean why wouldn't you do that right right and i agree with timothy fisher here too who says you know saruman already seems dubious uh in in the first film in an unexpected journey and i agree you know the 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 there was no obvious sign of him being actively evil you know the way he acted was still consistent with him not yet being turned to right. or at least not yet ex- you know being exposed as evil but um but not good you know the obvious tension between him and gandalf already um you know the one thing that i could see the one sort of payoff for having um saruman distinguish himself heroically in the battle of dol guldur which i could see by the way you know i could see but i would but i would still in, inescapably see it as a piece of calculation on saruman's part rather than you know as spontaneous acts of goodness um but uh, the one is is basically thinking about that you know again that just touching faith that Gandalf shows in Saruman in the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring film, where he's like, no, I shall leave the ring bearer and dash off to Saruman because he will know what's best. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, so trying to lead up to that, you know, maybe having as, uh, as, 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 as Bronte uh, Bellig is suggesting, maybe he'll save Gandalf. I could see that happening, you know, that he'll, that he'll save Gandalf's life and Gandalf will be grateful. Maybe even Gandalf will feel ashamed for, you know, rolling his eyes <laughs> at Rivendell when he heard Saruman's voice. Um, but, you know, there already seems so much tension set up that it's, it's, um, it's really, um, see, I agree with Kate. Yeah. I expect to see at least a little bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he hasn't really turned yet, but I expect something. And you're right. I mean, you know, and, and, and somebody else just said, and I just lost it, but, um, oh, uh, uh, Halstein says, you know, my Sarabin be good, but arrogant and arrogance leads to its, you know, to its fall, to, yeah. you know, to fall. And I, I think we do see that in an unexpected journey. You know, yes. we do see him being very, you know, he's a big old windbag. I mean, that's what I think that, that's why I always got the, the eye roll from Gandalf. It's like, oh God, you know, right. windbaggy's here. And, you know, uh, very arrogant and very, you know, very high on, on his high horse, which of course, you know, as we all know, leads to a fall, especially in the Tolkien worlds. Um, but, um, but yeah, I would expect to see some kind of, anyway, here's what I suggest, because I know we have to move on. Y'all, 
if you can, and I'll, like I said, it, it is up on the Riddles in the Dark page, and I'll try to remember to put it in the episode um, post. Uh, be sure, you know, feel free to ping me if it's not. To the listeners, watch the video and then weigh in either on the discussion uh, board on Midgard site or on the Riddles of the Dark page. And then in the supererogatory, we will turn it over to um, Laura and Corey to kind of uh, share what you guys think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to hear more about that. Um, I'm still not ruling out crazy old Christopher Lee has no idea what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to do that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. But there it is. Yeah. But somebody has I mean, to hold that position, so good. To, 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 to be a little less of a jerk about it, the thing is, how how many... He really hasn't filmed that much. He hasn't been on set of the actual film at all. Well, it had because, to all be green screen, right? It had yeah, to all most be done of, in London. All of his filming was done in London over a course of a few days, and everything else is being done in New Zealand. He really can't be that in the loop. I know. That's, what I, that's how I... I was a little confused by what he said too because of that. It's like, well, how much filming did you actually do? Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see. But though, I mean, though, in his defense, he presumably has seen the script. Yeah. Of course, didn't he also think he, he thought he was going to be in? The- <laughs> <laughs> There's always that. And, and he didn't see that script. As well. Right. Well, but see, okay, but see, there again. Uh, the difference is that he was, I mean, it's not like he thought he was in a major scene and then turned out oh, to be wrong. True. He was in a major scene. It's just, they cut the, that major scene yeah. from the theatrical Shire, edition. Right? Out, right? Well, yes. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it, they put it in the extended edition at the very beginning, um, of the return of the King. But, um, anyway, you know, it's so, <laughs> so it's, it, it's not that he was wrong that that like that scene never actually took place. It's just that it didn't make the cut for the theatrical edition, and you know it may be that there might be some stuff, um, you know, some of his material that would get cut in the same way. But still, like he would, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm 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 kind of playing devil's advocate because I'm kind of inclined yeah. to agree with you, Dave. But I don't know. Um, at least it's I'm really hard. Out of respect for Sir Christopher, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, let's say it this way. He really believes he's in a lot in movie three, so. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, right. I, I think that's fair. I just I, I just think this is one of those things where, without corroborating evidence from some other source, yeah. I'm really skeptical because well, there's so many things that happen between when he filmed he filmed all right. of his scenes like two or three years ago, right? Right. It's not like he's filmed. I don't. As far as I know, he's not doing any pickups or anything since then, and 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 we've seen that they have been hacking these films to to pieces in the editing room. Right. Plus, unless Sarman's actually going to be at Erebor, I mean, his only scenes are going to be at Dalgold. During how much of the movie time is that going to be? Really, it's not going to be. I hope. Yeah, it's not going to be. It's not going to have equal time as Erebor does. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, yeah, no. Sorry, I, that was a terribly, terribly put grammatical sentence there. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Well, totally tracked anyway. there. If, if in fact, if in fact he does have a, a more significant role than we're anticipating, I'll be very interested to see what it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Well, anyway, so that's my little PS on that because it was kind of, it's kind of shifting us from the good guys to the bad guys. So I thought it was a nice little segue too. Okay. So 
speaking of Dol Guldur, so let's let's shift now talking about the bad guys. Saruman, of course, makes a perfect transition to talking about the bad guys because he, we don't know which camp he's going to be in exactly, whether he's going to be one of the good guys or one of the bad guys. But um, I would expect... Or even the, in the film. Or even in the film. <laughs> yes, exactly. However, um, speaking of people who we're not sure are going to be in the film, let's actually start there. Um, I want to talk, of course, about Sauron and what's going on with him, but... Um, before we start with him, um, let's talk about some of the minor characters. Um, what about the Nazgul, for instance? Um, we have seen the Witch King and his knife in the first film um, with Radagast. Um, we had that prominent but in context somewhat puzzling scene Um in uh, an unexpected journey, that is, I'm thinking of the tombs of the Nazgul scene, right. puzzling because I don't understand what on earth the point of it is. Um, they're making this big deal, like the Nazgul have escaped. Is the only point of that that like this is proof or evidence that the necromancer is actually Sauron? Um, and if not, I mean, basically, the fact that they have seemed to make such a big deal of oh, the Nazgul are now on the loose leads me to expect this expectation might not be met, but it, it, it leads me to expect we're going to see them, that they're going to play some kind of, that it's going to mean something that they're out and on the loose other than simply identifying Sauron, but maybe not. What do you guys think about that? Do we expect to see a return of the Nazgul in, uh, in, in film three? This goes back. Well, we put a riddle about this way back in season one. And yeah, that, I mean, that riddle is still, like, open, essentially. Without, what are the Nazgul going to be doing? Seen, without having seen film two, I would have given a definitive yes, because I fully expected the Battle of Dol Guldur to be in film two, and expected there to be, you know, not, not a ton, but, you know, more than trivial amount of screen time given to the, the Nazgul in that film. But given uh, based on the... the what they've left to be in film three now my answer is a negative i mm-hmm. think now i'm like I, I don't know where they fit in or how unless they're involved in the battle of dol Guldur. yeah that's yeah. true that's true yeah so, but, I, so but even then it would just be kind of a trivial it would just be it would just be like one way i could see that taking place is battle of Dolgor happens and and there's some things on screen and the good guys fight them and then all the fans say oh that was probably the nazgul Kind of, kind of like what happened with Radagast in the first film, where right. you know some kind of spirit thing came out of a statue and attacked him, and people were like, "Oh, I think that was one of the Nazgul," but nobody on screen is going to say, "Oh, good lord, it's the Nazgul." <laughs> oh, I, I totally could see Gandalf doing that. Nazgul. Right, right. Yeah, I could see that. Also, Jackson in his uh, director's commentary in for an unexpected journey. Come to think of it, they don't, we don't have it for the second one yet. He did make the point that the Morgul blade is going to play a part, and right. it obviously did play a part in the second movie. So the third movie, and I, I so somehow the Morgul blade is going to end up back at Dogmore, and who knows? And, and it has to end up in the Witch King's hand because that's the one that that uh, wounds Frodo on Weathertop in the movies. In the you know, first Lord of the Rings movie. Is it really? Is it intended to be exactly that? Yes. Yeah, that's what. Yes. Yes, that's what, yeah, that's what Jackson said. said. So, so the Nazgul. So the third film is going to include a subplot about the Nazgul's quest to reclaim their blade. <laughs> well, see, this is why I was thinking Saruman was going to use it at the Battle of Dol Guldur. 
but he still could actually. He still could. This doesn't quite he's, fit with Christopher he's Lee's very theory. Prideful but... and full of himself. Right. Well, if he's very prideful and full of himself. He would think that he can he can wield a weapon like that. Wielding the 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 weapons of the enemy against him. Wow. Could would Sauron ever think of that? You know, think that way? Gosh. Yes. Of course he I, would. It, it could kill. It could be the thing that kills Radagast. Exactly. That's my plan. That's your plan. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I that seems increasingly far fetched. Um, but uh, <laughs> I mean, if that happens, won't Christopher Lee be surprised? <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, <laughs> boy, that that will be really funny. Be, uh, <laughs> yeah, if yeah. They betray Christopher Lee. <laughs> well, because the thing is, like, obviously, the action scenes are going to be done by a stunt double, right? So, like, yeah. if if like, I mean, <laughs> he could very well like have have like the scenes that he filmed and then like his you know he's like watching it on screen his stunt double stabbing Radagast with the Morgul blade uh anyway yeah you know I could totally see it was supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) or I can see you know Saruman having the Nazgul blade and having it having who was it Dr. Strangelove with the hand that he couldn't control you know (laughs) like the weapon you can't control the weapon and it stabs Radagast right right I especially love the fact that he he mentions specifically like oh you'll see sign uh, you know scenes of of him showing kindness and generosity yes. to Gandalf and, <laughs> to Galadriel and Galadriel yeah. and and I kind of wonder if these are, these are cases where he's acting that in he's been given just this random line and he's like putting all of his kindness and generosity and it's going to turn out that the way that scene's used it's going to be him looking like that standing over the corpse. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Poor we'll guy. see. Well, D- we'll D- see. May, we, D- May, we had the idea of Saruman stabbing Radagast with the Morgul Blade when we thought he was going to be a bad guy, but, you know, if Christopher Lee's right, he's not, he's not going to be a bad guy. See, bad but, guy. yeah, I get, like, secretly D- May, like, nobody else sees, just the viewers, you know, so, like, Gandalf and, and, uh, and, you know, this happens, this happens, you know, around the corner, the rest of the good guys don't see him. So, yes, yeah, so some kind of revelation well, of his... Trish, didn't I, did, didn't I vote for that? Didn't I vote for Saruman killing I Radagast? Did. I think I yeah, did, yeah. Did. yeah. Just... We actually, we also, so, I, so did you, Dave. Oh, yeah, Dave, was... you voted for that, too, by the way. That Saruman is going to kill Radagast. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, you know, the other thing that I could actually see happening is, is Jackson giving uh, Lee you know, like instructions. Okay, now look sad. Okay, now look aghast. Now look angry. You know, and it, he does all these close-up shots, and Lee doesn't know what context they're going to be in. <laughs> oh, dear. So he still could be a bad guy. <laughs> <clears throat> Poor guy. Poor guy. Poor guy. Okay, let's stop teasing anyway, Christopher Lee. So, yeah, so the now school. I, I actually think we could see. I, I, I am going to be very surprised if we don't at least see the Witch King again. Yeah. Um, if we see the others, I don't know. And will they be? Will they be wispy like we saw in movie one, or will they, you know, be in their black rider cloaks or what? You know, I don't know. But um, I would say I would think we're going to see at least see the Witch King, if not the other page. Well, it, it would make a certain amount of sense, right? Because we've we had a sort of you know Gandalf came in, and you know Azog and the orcs could do nothing against Gandalf, you know, in right. film two. 
Um, then Sauron comes personally, and we have so we have this one on one between Sauron and Gandalf. Um, now all of a sudden these reinforcements come in. Now it's not Gandalf versus Sauron one on one anymore. Now it's Gandalf, you know, uh, you know, rescued by and subsequently flanked by Gan- uh, Goadriel and Radagast and probably Saruman. Um, and you know, facing so then you know Sauron yes, w- up the ante. Right, he whistles up his henchmen, and then the Nazgul come out. You know, all nine of them. Uh, <laughs> I could still do a whistle. Right. <laughs> he puts his fingers in his mouth and whistles, and <laughs> and then we've got you know the White Council facing uh, Sauron and the and the and and, and the Nazgul, and then you got like a tumbleweed rolling across, and and uh, you know it, that's totally how it would happen. Um, well, and you know you yes right, <laughs> and we have like movie from Clint Eastwood movies music right exactly exactly. Uh, but you know you think I mean the armies are gone, the orcs theoretically are gone. Who else is going to defend Al Guldur with Sauron? The Nazgul, right? I mean, right. that's the only force he's got, really. Clearly, clearly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, um, yeah, yeah. So, I, th- I do think it's likely that we're going to see that. I mean, it, it's, it's because seriously, at this point, what else are the Nazgul going to be doing? I mean, like they have to be somewhere. It would just be, it would just be inept storytelling to drop the Nazgul at this point, when you've gone to all that trouble to show us how they've broken out of their tombs, if they never come up again, then that's that, that, then I, that I would have to call ineptitude. Um, So giving them the benefit of the doubt, they have to do something and it has to be this, right? What else could they be doing? But, but I could, but I could see what I could, what I could imagine is um, it it will be ineptitude, but it'll be ineptitude at the level of mist. you know, managing time and the story. So what I could see them is, I could see them sitting in the editing room saying, geez, we've got a three and a half hour film here. We've really got to cut some stuff. Um, what's the least essential stuff to the story that we're trying to tell here? Uh, all right. Yeah, we're going to look like idiots. We cut the Nazgul out, but they got to go because our only choice is between cutting them or cutting this scene of Bard and the dwarves. Right, um, right. So I, I could easily see them making that choice sort of at the 11th hour, which I imagine they're – you know that, that Viggo Mortensen um, interview has completely changed my perception of the way these guys are making these films. Now, I, <laughs> I imagine this process where they're like sitting here editing it in the editing room two days before their final cut's supposed to be ready. Yeah. So I, and, and if they are doing that, I could see them sort of sleep-deprived, stressed out, like, oh, something's got to go. All right, fine, cut the Nazgul. Just cut them, you know? Right. The vast majority of people aren't going to notice, and the people who do will, are still going to be in the theater watching the film, and uh, we'll just put it in the extended edition. It'll be fine. Right. So I, I could see that happening. I could really see that happening. I can imagine um, that. And, he, and even if they're even if we're on screen, what I don't imagine is I really find it hard to believe that they're going to have any kind of significant role other than um, on screen in a battle as lackeys. Like, yep. What, like I don't know. I just it's hard to see them putting a lot of screen time into these guys who don't even have lines, have no character development, you know, and and really don't contribute anything to the main storyline other than other than to maybe lend gravitas to a scene. Yeah, like like you said Trish, the one of the good characters saying pointing them out like, "Oh boy, we're in trouble. That's the Nazgul right there." Right. <laughs> right. 
Exactly. Exactly. Or, or we could have Legolas, right? Somebody said that he's going to, you know, somebody, some people have said he's going to go to Lot, you know, Dog door. He could be warning them. The Nazgul are coming. The Nazgul are coming. That's too funny. <laughs> I, I, I do like the idea of the, I like the possibility of the Nazgul um, driving a U-Haul truck down to. Yeah. yeah see, because. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's that's the, tool belts. That's the know. book answer, right? The book answer is they're supposed to go and prepare the way for him to to right. move back into Baradur. <laughs> so we've got them, and we've got some of them doing, you know, uh, in the front stoop. Yeah, I mean, there's there are things that need to be repaired in that place. It's way out of order. So you know, we're going to have them, yeah, airing out the sheets and uh, you know, beating the rugs and uh, you know, getting things ready there at at at, at, at Baradur. Clearly, that's their primary role. Um, so, but if they have those flying steeds, they could get called back to Dogal Door pretty quickly, right? They could, they could be a Baradur, and then he whistles, and they, you know. Oh yeah, well sure. I mean, how long can it take to walk from Dogal Door to Baradur? Well, but if they have their little flying bird, their flying dragons, the flying. Who needs flying things? Azog can get from Bjorn's house to 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 Dogal Door in a couple hours. So. Surely, you know, the wraiths can get, can cross, you know, I mean... No time at all, that's right. Mordor's only like a, like an hour and a half walk, right? I mean, you know, Just the from next there. zip code over, right? Yeah. Right, right. Um, uh, so, Brian Biggs has a, has a good point. Are there going to be any orcs left at Dol Goldor? Well, like it, that's it? an excellent question. I, I, I think that's... And that's why... It's exactly why I see the Nazgul being called in as shock troops for... Uh, for the battle, because I can't imagine, even if there are orcs there, like, what kind of contribution are they going to make to the fight, other than just, like, as red shirts, basically? Um, <laughs> yes. Which it might be. Like, let's throw in some orcs so that, like, we can have orcs, you know, conveniently and comically decapitated and thrown off cliffs and stuff, but um, but, yeah, other than that, there's not going to be any good to them. But the Nazgul, yeah, the Nazgul would be the real... Now, if Bjorn is there, we don't know this, but, you know, we were talking about this last time, if Bjorn is, in fact, there during the Battle of Dol Guldur, then he's going to need some orcs to toss around. Absolutely. You know, that that's going to need But they'll be like happen. guards, probably. I mean, right. are we... At, well, here's the other question, then, too, specifically, Bolg and Azog. So, are they going to be... At, at, are they going to be a dog older for any length of time, or are they both going to have gone to Erebor? Well, Bolg was last seen riding away from Lake right Town, away. so which means he could have be going to Dog Goldor. I mean, he could be riding to Dog Right, especially if we do picture Legolas going down there. I still, for the record, don't think that Legolas is going to go all the way to no. Dol Guldur, but. Um, uh, but he certainly has plenty of time to get there. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. has plenty of time to I get there. I still think he's going to play the same role that Aragorn played in the Two Towers film, which is to serve as a warning of the, of the advance of the army. Yeah. The enemy's army. It's, it's possible. I'm still not sure about that. But 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 that, that's certainly possible. In any case, Bolg is headed back towards him. So we see, you know, Azog is presumably is leading the Orc army. So Azog is presumably not going to be there at the Battle of Dol Guldur. And then... Um, Bolg, when he returns, is probably going to meet up with the army rather than going right. all the way back rather to Dol Guldur. Yes. So, yeah. right. I, I assume that none of the that neither Bolg nor Azog are going to be there, and so therefore, I would expect that probably you know less than one hundred percent of the orcs in Dol Guldur have been sent off. So there probably will be some guards there. Um, right. 
So there will so probably there will be some cannon fodder for Bjorn or, or for the White Council, but uh, but not. Dare we call it a skeleton staff? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, it gets a little Zomborkish, but uh, you know that's fine. Um, so so yeah yeah. Um, let's see. Now, Timothy asks: Is an Azog supposed to be staying at Dolgolder? Is he? I don't remember that. Am no. I forgetting that? I, I don't think so. He was specifically tasked with the job of leading Sauron's army. Yeah, the army that's why he was called back. Yeah, pretty sure Azog should be at the head of that. Yeah, that's what I. Otherwise, that's what I recall. he's the worst general ever. All right, you're in charge of the army. Okay, army, you go ahead. I'm going to stay back. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Now it's... Gerald Michael has a good. He says Dogaldur is a diversion to distract the wise from the orc army. Sauron already has an exit plan if needed, and anything additional, like capturing Gandalf or killing Radagast, is just a bonus. I think that's a really good point, and that kind of is the fleeing to Barad-dur kind of an idea. The, ex- the already having an exit plan is, is bookish, right? Right. And that then leads to that next question, which is, how do you think, how do you expect the fight to go? From Sauron's point of view, that is, is Sauron, go- are we going to see Sauron beaten back by the White Council, or is this going to be, because... In the book, in The Hobbit, we are told that the necromancer was driven out. Um, And that language is still used in The Fellowship of the Ring, that the necromancer was driven out of Mirkwood, used by people who aren't Gandalf. Um, But we are told... we are told later on that he he only feigned to flee. Right? That he was... That he, he, he... actually had long planned his move to Barad-dur and just pulled the trigger on that when the White Council came after him. Um, so this was, in fact, all part of his strategy and not and, and not a question of him being thwarted at all. Um, but by all appearances, it looks like he gets defeated and driven out. If they right. decide to maintain that, yeah. I mean, certainly from the outside... From the outside, uh, that is, from to people who aren't in the White Council, it's going to look like that, right? I mean, the White Council, you know, puts on the boots and they go in after the Necromancer, and then the next thing you know, the Necromancer is out of Mirkwood, right? And he's fled. Everyone is going to conclude, hey, look, the White Council drove him out. But that doesn't necessarily say what's actually going to happen in the um, in the confrontation. Are we going to get a confrontation? We might not. You know, when they, when they, so presumably they're going to have to beat their way through some lackeys, right? Um, you know, some orcs will come after them and maybe the Nazgul. Um, and then, you know, so are we going to get a scene where, you know, Goadriel and Gandalf and, and Saruman and possibly Radagast, because maybe he's not dead yet, but probably he is, and, uh, you know, confronting Sauron, and then it looks like we're going to have this big battle and then Sauron just takes off? Yeah, that's a good question. They've kind of they've transformed the purpose of Dol Guldur now too, haven't they? It's it, where, whereas in the books it is a concerted effort to defeat and drive out the necromancer. Now it almost certainly is just going to be a much smaller mission to rescue Gandalf. Right. And and so I don't even know. I mean, are we even going to see a real confrontation with the necromancer, uh, or are we going to see them just getting in, getting Gandalf, getting out, and 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 by that measure, possibly a much smaller force sent to achieve this mission? Right. Well, I mean, the one thing there though is that Gandalf got captured, 
because he was trying to force a confrontation with the necromancer. I mean, that is how I understand his comment when, uh, you know, Radagast says, what if it's a trap? And he says, it's undoubtedly a trap. And, you know, and so he's going in on purpose just to reveal him. Like He's basically trying to flush the necromancer out of hiding and force a confrontation. So a confrontation still seems to be Gandalf's plan. Um, so if you go in and rescue Gandalf, there's, you know, confrontation still seems kind of inevitable. But, um, but it, you know, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe we don't even see the Necromancer again like we did in film two. You know, maybe they come in and they rescue Gandalf and then they're like, okay, so where's the Necromancer? And they're like, well, he's gone. You know, I, maybe he doesn't even show up. Um, there, you know, that we get some battle with the Nazgul and with the orcs, but we don't see like the, uh, you know, the Galadriel necromancer song competition that we're all hoping for. I'm having having deja vu. We talked about this in the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Possibility. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. About Sauron not being there. You know, they, they get there and they think he's there, but he's not. And the Nazgul basically are the ones that do battle and not him. Oh, they keep dragging this out. I know. We originally, we when we first started this podcast, we thought there were going to be two films, so we were sure I it was know. going to be in the first film. Yeah, yeah. And they switched to three, and we considered the possibility of being the second. And it still wasn't in the second. Well, I guess, you know, they've kept us employed for longer <laughs> than we thought we'd be, so. <laughs> no, next thing you know, it's just going to be cut out entirely. It's time, and, that, and that riddle will just go unanswered forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Bronte has an interesting suggestion here. It says uh, Radagast could get killed or hurt after Gandalf is saved or in the process of saving Gandalf, thus distracting them from the necromancer, and they decide to flee instead. That, I think, could be interesting. You know, so like they, they're like pulling Radagast back, and then they don't know what came of the necromancer, right? You know, they fled, and then he's not still there. Or maybe Gandalf goes back and discovers that he's gone and they don't know what, you know. So basically, you know, one of the things that I'm kind of wondering in general here, or rather another way to put the question I've been asking, is Gandalf, are Gandalf and the members of the White Council going to feel that they have won a victory at Dol Guldur? Mm-hmm. Because I, th- I kind of think they won't. I think that they will believe that they have failed, that they had the opportunity. He was here, right? He was here. We were here. If we could have cornered... He doesn't have his ring. If we could have cornered him, we could have taken him down. Um, But he slipped through our fingers, and now the War of the Ring is going to happen. Obviously, they don't say it in those terms, but, you know, know, that seems to me the likeliest course. Um, So I kind of like Bronte's idea that instead of... Because it's going to be really anticlimactic, right? If you've got, you know, Sauron standing there with the necromancers on, or with the with the, with the Nazgul on one side, and you've got uh, and you've got Galadriel and Gandalf and Saruman squaring up against him on the other side, and then Saruman just runs off, or Sauron just runs off. You know, he's yeah, just like vanishes. That is true. They like blast him with a little light, and he's like, ah, right. I shall flee. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like it's it's. It's that, that would I'll be. I'll get you next time. <laughs> right. You and your little dog. You and your little <laughs> hobbits. <laughs> yeah, That's, that is true. I, I think the subtlety of the of the way of the story in the book of them, you know, seemingly defeating him and him being driven off and and running away, but it's actually a feint. 
I think that's not going to work very well on screen, um, particularly for people who haven't read the books. Also, it doesn't work nearly as well um, when you're going into the battle, sure that it's um, that it's Sauron. Well, I guess they do in the books as well. Well, yeah, do yeah. they know? Yeah. Yes, they do know. Gandalf has confirmed it. Yeah. Okay. I just, but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think that's gonna work. I don't think it'll work well on screen. I think it'll, I think it'll seem anticlimactic, kind of dumb. I think film fans will be like, you know, people who haven't closely read the books are gonna watch it and think, "You idiots! That's that's Sauron! Don't let him go!" Right? Chase him or something? Yeah, yeah seriously. Go after him. Uh, but if they turn it into a a more a much murkier picture where you know, yes, we kind of got him out of Dol Guldur, but we didn't really win. Maybe Radagast was killed. And then think, you put Gandalf... That makes a lot more sense. Good. And then you put Gandalf in the position where he's got to choose, right? The army is marching mm-hmm. towards the Lonely Mountain. And so he's he's standing there like, do we go after Sauron? You know, do we try again? Or do we go after, you know, do I go after, you know, the orcs and try to save Bilbo mm-hmm. and Thorin and everybody up at the Lonely Mountain? Um... You know, to actually make that a kind of a quandary for Gandalf, and he decides to, you know, to follow them and help them defeat the orcs, but then at the expense of letting Sauron go. Um, the other option, of course, is what Nathan Richardson was just suggesting um, that, um, you know, it, he said he suspects that they will think that they defeated him for good and have a party and then turn out to be wrong later on. That That's the other possibility, right? That we have a fight, which seems like a satisfying fight, and and it seems that Sauron has just been defeated. Um, and they're, you know, maybe they're happy about it, or some of them are happy about it, and, and somebody, like Galadriel or something, is like, ah, uh, this isn't for good. I don't know. I mean, that I could see happening. That doesn't seem to me nearly as satisfying, but I could imagine it anyway. Um, what about the possibility, let's return to the possibility that he's just gone. Mm-hmm. And they, they just don't know what came sh- of him? Uh, yeah, they show up to rescue Gandalf. They fight off some Nazgul, um, but the orc army's largely gone. And then and and they get Gandalf, and Gandalf's like, "Oh man, it was Sauron all along." Oh, okay, let's get him. Where is he? I don't know. It looks like he's. Oh. And they they turn around. They they unlock Gandalf's cage, and he gets out. And they turn around, and the place is deserted. Right. Right. I guess that's probably going to seem anticlimactic too. Also, yeah, but see, the thing really... is, like when we talk about anticlimax, yeah. it's the alternative. If the climax is, you know, the final confrontation between the forces of good and Sauron, that's obviously not going to happen. So, like, there has to be anticlimax on that level. Yeah, that's true. No matter what, it will be anticlimax. Yeah, because it's not the climax of the film anyway. Right. Right. That's true. Exactly. Um, um, also, I do think it would seem kind of strange for Sauron to be gone when they get there. Basically, I, I, I foresee some kind of, or at least him being at Dol Guldur and getting into a, a, a dust-up with them, with the, with the White Council, it seems like really the only plausible explanation for why he didn't march off with his army. Right. And shows up at the, at Lonely Mountain, which I, I I think where at least I'm using I'm I have an operating assumption that he will not be there because I just think that that would just 
create all kinds of problems, and and fans would be outraged if Sauron showed up at the Battle of Five Armies. So I'm I have an operating assumption, at least for now, that he won't be there. So okay, he sent his army off. Where is he going if he's left? But if he remains at Dol Guldur, to to I don't know, torture Gandalf or something like that, and then the White Council shows up and he gets into entanglement with them, and then maybe that alters his plan somehow. Basically, they need to come up with a really good reason for it. On the one hand, I really don't think he can be at the Battle of Five Armies. I think that's a terrible idea. On the other hand, they better have a really good explanation for why he's not there. Yes, yes. That, that doesn't involve lots of on-screen exposition explaining the complicated plans of Sauron, which... He's not going to explain to us, so that means somebody else, like Gandalf, has to sit here and pontificate, like, well, here's what I think <laughs> right. he's doing, right. which is yeah. going to be ridiculous. I agree. Well, see, here's, here's I, though, you know, I'd say we have to back up and ask an, uh, an even earlier question than this. My big question is, how are they going to explain, or how are they going to present the, the strategic situation from Sauron's point of view? Right. I, I get, you know, <laughs> things that have been established, right, are A, the orcs in the region are generally under the command of Sauron. And when orc armies move, they move because Sauron tells them to move. Now, this makes all kinds of sense retroactively looking back at the, at the Hobbit situation from the Lord of the Rings point of view. Knowing that the Necromancer was already operating in Mirkwood at the time, um, it does seem really... Un- I mean, of course, in the published Hobbit, the, the goblin armies descend upon the Lonely Mountain totally independently um, and under no orders from anybody like the Necromancer. It's very difficult to see that happening in that way. Uh, uh, if you imagine the Necromancer as Sauron building his power and you know moving his strategic pieces into place, that you know th- most of the, that the majority of the goblins of the Misty Mountains, which we're told is what the goblin army from the, the Hobbit is, are going to go off independently and do this thing in defiance of his orders or without his knowledge seems ridiculous. Um, so I'm totally down with the idea that Sauron, that if an orc army moves on the lonely mountain, it has been ordered there by Sauron. Also, uh, we have, uh, but, but my question is why, why, what, what is Sauron planning for? Why has he sent an army up towards the lonely mountain at all? What is Sauron's strategic right. objective? In doing that, I think he was going to send an place. army. He'd send it in another direction. I mean, it's kind of up into the hinterlands. Exactly, especially so, there's there's who's to fight up there, especially since we have uh, Smaug as well, and that there is a connection, that there is some kind of coordination between Smaug and the Necromancer was, I believe, revealed clearly in the Desolation of Smaug, through Smaug's own reference to him. So, whatever Sauron's strategy is, it involves Smaug as well. Um, who's to fight up there in the north? The Lake Men and, and Thranduil? Who's up there to fight that he needs both Smaug and an army of orcs to fight. Um, I mean, again, remember the the goblins are coming when they hear that Smaug is dead, right? I mean, like it's a looting expedition and an act of vengeance against the dwarves for killing the great goblin. Um, 
It is not, it is certainly not done in coordination with Smaug, and it's not part of any larger strategic objective. It's just the goblins doing their thing, and one of their objectives is to get as much loot as they can. That's obviously not Sauron's goal. So what is Sauron's goal? How does this fit into what we are supposed to understand are his schemes for, you know, the early stages of, of setting up and rolling out the War of the Ring? Thoughts? <laughs> I have no, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Logically, well, I, I, logically I mean, there are only a few possibilities, right? I mean, presumably he's planning to consolidate the North under his control. There are only two obstacles to that, that is, that we know of or that we've seen, and that is Lake Town and Thranduil. What if Thranduil is his ultimate goal? Presumably he's not going to believe that Smaug is going to need help destroying Lake Town, because in fact, apart from the fact that he's going to be killed in a fluke uh, and heroic action, Smaug is obviously perfectly capable of destroying Lake Town all and is lonesome. So and also, and also, I'm pretty sure that Lake Town has almost zero strategic, strategic value. value. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sauron has never even heard of it. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. You know, but but even okay. You know, even if we sort of assume, like, for sentimental value, these are the you know these are the 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 uh, descendants of the people of Dale. I mean, again, I'm thinking of like candidates. I mean, the only candidates we have uh, for Sauron's strategic, you know, movements um, in the north there, you know, north of Dol Guldur are the Wood Elves and the Lake Men. So, assuming he's, in fact, launching the Orcs North, did he say, and I'm, 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 I'm forgetting here, and those of you who have watched the video more recently than I have can remind me, um, does what, what is the objective given to Azog and the army? Does he say? Does he say that he's sending them to the mountain? Does anyone recall? Uh, does he? Uh, uh, Sauron? Yeah. Or like, yeah. No, we just when Azog just is sent you're off. Gonna lead my army. You're going to lead my army, right? And they're and just never says where. They're just going off, presumably in a northerly direction. Yeah, maybe maybe they go to Lake Town and Erebor as like a test mission, you know, like like a practice mission, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> right? It's or just, they're gonna go lob. It's just a know, training exercise. Dale, yeah, the Dale Plus runs or something. You know, we're making a pretty Gondor. We're making a pretty big assumption here too. For all we know, that army isn't marching to Lake Town. Maybe he's sending them to the Shire. He's finally decided <laughs> to wipe out the Hobbit menace. <laughs> The Hobbit Menace. Ooh, there's a good movie name. The Hobbit Menace. I love that as a title. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, I would think... Yeah, I mean, we're assuming that they're heading for Erebor. I mean, right? I mean, he hasn't actually said. You're right. He just says... I want you to lead my army. Because if he's working with Smaug, he has no reason to send. I mean, Smaug is still alive right. when the army departs, and there's no reason to ex- to anticipate his death. Um, it, it, uh, sending him to the mountain, what's the point? I mean, it, to, to link him That's up true. with Smaug? I mean, the two of them, the orc army and Smaug, are going to go do something else? It's not like he needs to occupy the mountain. It's already occupied. 
by his mouth. Yeah, that's true. At this point, he has absolutely no reason to send that army to 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 Erebor. No, unless 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 you know Sauron is is playing the long game here, and he's basically kind of worked out that that something's gonna ha- you know that a bunch of people are gonna show up there, and this is his chance to wipe them out. Which I guess. Sauron is credited with being really, really smart and uh, figuring things like that out. So maybe he has, maybe he has reasoned. Hey, it's going to be a bunch of elves, dwarves, and men. You know, they gathered there. That if I wipe them out, the North will be mine. So, but but it does seem at least for things that's anticipating a lot. It is, especially since moving backwards a little bit more. Remember. Azog was recalled from Bjorn's house to come back to Dol Guldur in order to be given the leadership of the armies that were going to set off. So the plan, whatever the plan was for the armies, that plan was formed before Thorin and Bilbo left Bjorn's house. Okay, Mm -hmm. And after that, we're told by the goblin that they capture, um, that, that, that Thranduil captures, that they had been sent to kill... Thorin and make sure that he doesn't return to the Lonely Mountain. Sauron is working to try to prevent the heir of the dwarves from returning to the Lonely Mountain. Um, so he certainly wouldn't seem to be, wouldn't be planning on the dwarves recongregating at the Lonely Mountain so that he could exterminate them. Rather, he seems to be acting to try to prevent that from happening. Um, so I can't think that we, it seems far beyond what seems to me the limit of plausibility to imagine that he's actually anticipating anything like the five, the battle of five armies which is going right. to occur but but what this to me keeps coming back to is thranduil there is only one right. kingdom of any significance right. um of any you know longevity and and reach in the north, and that's Thranduil, and especially when you remember how twitchy Thranduil was about the right. rise of Sauron, like he sort of anticipates, yeah, um, if that happens, he's going to come after us. And um, why he sh- wants to shut all the gates and exactly, and just yeah. hunker down because he knows it's coming. Um, and Smaug could, you know, think. Remember, we've already had parallels between Thranduil and uh, and Thingol. Um, wouldn't it be kind of cool to get a uh, uh, to get a, a brief glimpse of of you know a, like a a Nargothrond uh, remake, <laughs> you know with uh, with Saur- with Smaug coming in at the head of an orc army? That's what happened with Nargothrond, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, coordin- the coordination, the idea of a coordination between the dragon and and an orc army is perfectly plausible. That's indeed what happens in the first age, but. Um, uh, and, and of course, explicitly, what Gandalf is afraid of. One of the reasons why he wants to get rid of Smaug because he knows that that could easily happen. Um, mm. So I could see the orc army is marching up towards uh, towards the Elven king. This, of course, then puts even more pressure on the kind of stuff we were talking about before with Thranduil and his decision, why does he march out to Lake Town? Why does he leave? Well, yeah, especially why does he leave if there's an orc army marching up towards his kingdom? Does he just not know about that? Does, you know, is he ignorant of that army um, and, uh, and thus exposes himself and the orcs pursue him and what catch up with him at the Lonely Mountain? What if he's driven out? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What if he decides to flee in front of them so that it's not just him coming to the aid of the Lake Town refugees? What if the elves are themselves refugees? Hmm. 
Wow. That would, I have... them, that would make them a little more desperate and dangerous. Yes. And also make, oh man, if that were to happen, imagine the way that that turns the plot. Now, instead of the Elven King standing at the siege of the Lonely Mountain, being all smug and superior uh, uh, and intolerant, now he's desperate. Like they need to get into the Lonely Mountain because they need a, a place of defense. You know, and he's saying, let us in. And then, and then there's Thorin saying, oh, well, now the shoe is on the other foot, right? Now whose people have been driven out of their homes? Now who needs assistance and who's going to turn who's back on whom, you lousy jerk? Like, that would be interesting. That'd be very interesting. <laughs> I doubt any of this is going to happen, but boy, would that be fascinating. Boy, you're well, I'm, man, I kind of hope so. I hope it will, because because... Increasingly, there seem to be very few uh, storylines around the march of this army that don't seem absurd. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, of course, one other possibility is simply that that basically attention is diverted from the fact that the army is given no rationale for marching. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure that's it. I mean, Jerry, <laughs> why is the yeah, why is the army going to be at the... Fa- why Why is this orc army marching towards the Lonely Mountain? Because Peter Jackson needs an orc army at the Lonely Mountain. At, for the, the Battle of Five Armies, right, exactly. And it's got to come from somewhere, so... I, I mean, I guess probably sort of the rationale you could read into it is that he's just kind of... That this is the beginning of the march of darkness to sweep over the earth, like the, the little goblin guy that they captured and beheaded in... Um, right. Right. In, uh, right. In, in the Elven King's halls, you know, promised, and that this is the beginning of it. And he's just sending the Sork army out, and they're just marching, you know, in no particular direction. And then eventually, <laughs> some news will come that gives them a direction, like, uh, we should probably head for the mountain. Okay. Oh, well, it's a good thing that we were sort of already heading that direction anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we didn't really mean to, uh, you know, the, uh, but uh, yeah, we were just kind of heading that direction. Good thing, because that's where we're going now. Right, because um, once Smaug dies, then you know all bets are off. Then th- th- they would go to the Lonely Mountain in order to like secure that position, because now right. you know he thought he had that, and there was Smaug there, so you know the Lonely Mountain was taken care of. But now all crap. Now the dragon's dead. The dwarves are going to come back. I mean, you know they're going to they're going to crop up again. You know, like like you know like you, you know rats. You thought you had them exterminated, and now all of a sudden they're back. Yeah. Right. So so now he's going to be oh crap. We got to go up and we got to secure the Lonely Mountain because um, we're going to get a dwarf infestation up there. They're going to they're going to try to reclaim, especially if he learns that Thorn is still alive, and he's like oh great, not only is the dragon dead um, but the heir of Durin is is returned to the lonely mountain and now we're going to have a dwarf kingdom again this is all you know this is all this is all going to pot so Azog please go up and stump on this there's there's still a chance to salvage things okay what's going to happen is um, Bolg is going to ride back um, uh, meet up with the army Uh, Azog's going to hand off leadership of the army to Bolg and then Azog's going to ride off, and he's going to get murdered by Legolas or some dwarf near in the vicinity <laughs> of the mountain. And, and the original mission of this army, so he's actually marching. He's supposed to march to Gondor and get them. So and, and so Azog and Bolg are going to do the switch. Azog's going to get killed. Maybe he'll get picked off by Legolas, who's going to ride back toward the mountain. And then Bolg's going to say, screw Gondor, and he's going to lead the army on a mission of revenge to the Lonely Mountain. <laughs> and we're back to the books. Yeah, you know. Wow, boy, that would that would be that would be. And if you don't want to, if you don't want it to be quite as screwy 
fine, we won't we won't do the switch between Azog and Bolg. We'll have Bolg get killed by Legolas or a dwarf somewhere near Lake Town um, on his way out. Azog will hear and say, "Screw you, Sauron! I'm taking this army on a on a mission of revenge." <laughs> you know, you're right. That do we even know? Not only you know do we not know, as far as I can recall, that the army was being sent out to the Lonely Mountain. Do we even know that it's marching north? We've we been assuming know. that. As far as we can tell, they were just marching down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> Downhill is all we know for sure about the destination of that army. Yeah, yeah. And we haven't, we actually, I, we haven't seen them leave yet. I mean, we could see them leave in movie three. Well, they're kind of leaving. Um, you think they're leaving when Gandalf sees them? I thought maybe they were just out doing, you know. They were drilling exercises, right? Yeah, they're just drilling on the field. I kind of love yeah. that for some reason. Um, uh, you know, marching by and saluting the high seat where Sauron sits in parade. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> it kind of looked like they were really on the move there, but uh, well, I mean, I think one of the reasons I didn't think they were necessarily on the move is wouldn't that be just kind of a weird coincidental timing that when Gandalf shows up is right the moment that the army's getting ready to leave. I mean, it just seemed to me, but I just thought he was, he was, I thought the whole point was he was seeing the actual size of the army. And it really but we knew that, didn't we? I mean, Azog is given the command to lead them out and that happens before Gandalf shows up. So that does seem to be in fact a coincidence, you know, that Azog is preparing them for departure and they're still trying to conceal themselves. Remember, Gandalf right. is exposing them. They're still trying to hide right. their numbers. I just didn't know that, that Exod was ready at that moment to lead them out. I mean, I knew they were mustering and getting ready to go. Right, but, right. It's not explicitly said, but I mean, we are led to believe, I think, that they're, that they're going. Um, Extended edition comes out. We'll see what happens. Exactly. That's true, because I mean, the extended edition could actually show the actual formal... Marching out of Doggle. I can't wait for the hour and a half of extra footage we're going to get in this <laughs> extended edition. It's going to be the awesome. Three extra we're gonna get. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. There's so many things that we have. Uh, I mean, it, it, it would be funny to compile a list of all of the things that we have confidently expected to be revealed in the I extended know. edition of this film, uh, and then try to imagine how long it would actually take to film all those things. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, I had high hopes for unexpected journey, and they were dashed. So, I'm... Right. right. Well, I guess we should move on to the uh, riddle yes, because we... we actually have a half an hour before at least Dave has to leave. And we're getting, and we're getting. I, I think, I, I think we can do it. Um, so yes. we're, we're getting to well, the. We're actually uh, there, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think we're 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 pretty close because the the question really is, um, what, what do we, um, um, what do we expect Sauron himself actually to do. So given the larger strategic position that Sauron is up to something, probably in the north, possibly not, but probably in the north, um, the Battle of Five Armies is going to be, you know, the, the, the prime actor, you know, the prime mover of the Battle of Five Armies is the orc army that he has ordered out. Of course, he wouldn't be able to anticipate the exact circumstances of the Battle of Five Armies, but still, um, it's acting under his command, or initially was sent out by his command. What is Sauron's role going to be 
in the Battle of Five Armies because he is not going to be dead. So <laughs> what's he? What's what's even though things that I mean, you know Smaug dies and and lots of things change, but Sauron is still around. What is going to be his role? So we want to launch the poll, Trish. Yeah, Here. I just did. Excellent. Okay. Um, yeah. And I mean, B, I just want to say for B real quick, that is meant to be directing his armies at Battle of Five, you know, it's it's the battle. Right, yeah, we're talking about the Battle of Five Armies. So, okay, so here are the options. Where will Sauron be during the Battle of Five Armies? A, fleeing or feigning to flee from Dol Guldur to Barad-dûr. That's the book answer. B, remotely directing his army. So he is still, you know, in some kind of contact with Azog, either by by messenger or something, uh, to, to, you know, so that basically he is still, we, we will still see, ultimately, the movement of the, of the orcs into the Battle of Five Armies as, you know, a strategic stroke by Sauron, which will be thwarted, presumably. Um, C... So, 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 Dave, if Azog or Bolg basically hijack the army and say, screw it, we're going for vengeance, for my own personal vengeance, that would contradict B. That, that would mean the army is no longer under Sauron's con- direct control. Um, C, he is taking part in the Battle of Five Armies in person. This is a prospect that has been raised by several people, by several listeners. You know, are we going to actually see him fighting in the battle? Um... Uh, it, it certainly seems on the table. If he flees from Dol Guldur, does he hang around? Um, or D is just, he's hanging around. He's lurking ominously somewhere. By D, what I primarily mean by D is that he flees, he disappears from Dol Guldur, and we don't know where he is at all. You know, And right. therefore, there's this, like, maybe he'll show up. You know, Maybe Sauron is going to pounce out of the woodwork you know, somewhere. Um and, uh, and, and, you know, there's always the possibility that he could show up at the Battle of Five Armies. Maybe even Gandalf explicitly worries about that. You know, is he going to show up? I don't know. But we don't find out where he is. Maybe we don't so, learn until the very end of the film that he's returned to Kate Mordor. Kate actually asked the question. Yeah, well, I would say, uh, but I would say if, if, if by the end of the movie we know that he's fle- fleed to Mordor, to Mordor, that would still be A. D would be we don't know where he's gone even by the end of the movie. No, if if there is active uncertainty and suspense about his whereabouts and what he's doing during the Battle of Five Armies, that counts as D. Even if oh, okay. after the Battle of Five Armies we learn that he went to Mordor, okay. the key so is he would have to he would have to be showing up, at, but we would have to know that he's in Barad-dûr during the Battle of Five Armies to have a BA, or at least that right. that's that that is his stated. Destination. Right, right. So that basically, yes, in the minds of the characters in the story and in the minds of the viewers, we have all classified Sauron as he has now fled to Barad-dûr and is out of the picture. Even if we just see him in the Stuckies on the road to Barad-dûr, right? Yes. (laughs) Well, I think think D, D, yeah, that's right. I mean, what D is really about is D is... We have no idea where Sauron is right. or what he's doing. He's during just the gone five armies, and yeah. there, and thus we must be concerned that he's going to show up. Right, right, right. Okay. Exactly. Um, whereas, whereas a a we know very specifically where he's going and what he's doing, and we know we can be ninety nine point nine nine percent confident he won't be involved. B we know how he's being involved. B and C we 
we are in both cases where we know where he is and how he's involved in the battle. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So with, yeah, exactly. Uh, now, so E, E, what kind of none of the above answers would, would the Azog hijacks the battle be an example of, probably. uh, uh... E... Azog hijacks the army. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. It's like he's attempting to remotely direct his armies, but he's being ignored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so he is. He is Sauron is is at the Goldor or or in Barad-dur, trying to direct them and just stomping his feet in frustration. Right. Keep doing the... Right. I mean, he could be. I mean, maybe he's still at. Uh, maybe he's still at 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 at, at Goldor. You know. Well, and back to back to how we started. He's like. Where's the damn Palantir? Did you not bring it with you from Dol Guldur? Where is it? I need it to remotely direct it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I keep getting some white guy. I keep some, getting some guy all in white when I That's turn right. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what if he spends the whole battle talking to Saruman? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> by, a, by a seeing stone. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, that would be, that'd be above. Kate, Kate Neville makes a really good point. She says, uh, if Mordor is mentioned, it's A. It doesn't count for book readers to be able to guess. So that, that's true. Right. If he just flees away somewhere and, you know, we who know the books are all sitting there nodding to ourselves and saying, ah, yes, he's fled to Mordor, I agree, that doesn't count. Um, if, if the general movie-going public who doesn't know the books really well would have no idea where he is and they would think he's lurking ominously and might be expecting him to, you know, pop up at the Battle of Five Armies, that would be D. So I agree. It has to be explicitly no. said that he's going well, to Mordor. I have a question. This, for some reason, this reminds me of what you were talking about in your Chaucer lecture about all this. So if, what if a mouse, what if they sanctify the way from right. the mouse? <laughs> um, okay, so, so if he if he flees, okay, during so he flees, and it's but I, what I'm expecting is he's going to flee, and we don't know in the moment where he's gone to. But at some point, as a as a probably at the end, as a as a foreshadow of dread, we see the lights go on in Baradur because that's not going to take any people. He could CGI that baby, and you know that's not going to be a big problem. So we're going to see Baradur become activated by the end of the movie. But that would not be A. That would still be C, correct? Because during the Battle of Five Armies, we don't know where he is. Or D, D you mean? I mean D. Um, yes, yes, that is correct. That is correct. Um, okay. Yeah, if he, if he just vanishes and they expect him to, you know, they're, they're worried and we're worried that he might pop up and then he never does pop up. And then at the end, we just see, like, somebody cackling maniacally while they throw the big, you know, Frankenstein-style switch uh, in Del Guldur and the, the flaming eyeball turns on up top of the tower. Um, right. Then, uh, then, yeah, that would be, that would still, be, still D. be a D. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like a... I like Kate Neville's uh, possible E answer where maybe they will actually defeat him and capture him and Saruman will let him go. Ooh. So they do kind of like a Morgoth chaining kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. That would be kind of awesome, actually. I would like that. Um, I mean, the fear is that they would reduce him too much you know if we actually see Sauron in chains in some sense probably not physically because he's not really been given 
sort of a concrete enough form. He was like a shadow man in film right. one and he was like a fireman in film two. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to imagine either one of those getting shackled up with physical shackles. Um, uh, but, but, you know, yeah, assuming like we're seeing him in some way contained or, um, you know, brought to bay or, you know, at the mercy of the white council. Yeah. To have him uh, released would be interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how they would do that, but I like that idea. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But yeah, exactly. That would be, you know, essentially, unless the riddle is constructed in such a way that really there is no other possibility, you know, we have, you know, the, 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 the option. And sometimes you can do that, you know, to include in sort of vague terms all possible um, options. I, we're gonna. I'm gonna throw. You know, we're gonna keep throwing none of the above in there because there have been a bunch of things in these films that I never saw coming and wouldn't have guessed. And so I'm not going to pretend that when I list the possibilities of what can happen, that those are, you know, um, exhaustive. So it could always go in a totally different direction. Okay, it's time mm. to it's time to put your money where your mouth is, guys. Well, the main thing that I start with is I disbelieve in C. I don't think he's going to take part in the Battle of Five Armies. Yes. Mostly because what do you do? Where do you go with that? I mean, if we see him in the battle like he was in the Battle of Daggerlad in the in the prologue to film to the Fellowship of the Ring, who can kill him? Like, who's going to do? And I I know, like, then he had the ring, right? That was before Isildur cut the ring from his hand. And, 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 you know, so we're going to see a Sauron without the ring fighting. So he'd be more vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. But still seriously, like, how is that going to work? And, and how is that going to not be the client? I I, I can't imagine. I just, I really don't think that's going to happen. Also, as you pointed out, now he's a, uh, weird shadow man, fire man, smoke monster. Yeah, thing. He, I mean, right. I think Jackson has at least stayed true to the fact that he's not—he's not corporeal, right? That he's right, right. He's a—he's a cloud of black stuff. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I think that would be a uh, a mistake on many, many levels, and yes. I don't think—and I don't think they're capable of that big of a change and or mistake. They're capable of a lot of things, of doing a lot of horrible things to this story, but not that. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, here's you may a question. Have to eat those words. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's true. Here, here's a question. Uh, do you think A is a, a legitimate possibility? Uh, my my concern with A is it seems possibly it seems like the kind of thing where if they did it, people like us and our listeners would get it immediately right. and, and would totally roll with him and be like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 Sauron's faking him out and he's going back to our door. I have this feeling it would be very difficult to communicate on screen in a way that moviegoers aren't going to either be confused or feel let down. Like, how come I'm not getting Sauron at the battle? He's just going to Dolgo. Why would he do that? Why is he running away? I, 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 it's such a, it's such a for, for people who are steeped in the books, it's, it is quintessentially a Sauron thing to do. Um, right. You know, it's quintessentially an evil Tolkien character thing to do. For people who are steeped in predominantly the films, it's going to seem a little anticlimactic and weird. I agree. I agree. I think especially since what we're what we're given here. And again, this is a place where it's different, where it's where it differs from the books and differs from the books, again, in a way which seems to me consistent with what Tolkien 
you know, with the with what Tolkien describes in the book and what he puts on it retroactively with the development of the Lord of the Rings story. If that moment, that is the moment of the White Council driving him out of Mirkwood, coincides with a moment which is like a major strategical move on his point, if he has put the pieces in motion um, to start making his move, and I, I, we have to assume here that he's thinking long term, you know, that he's not just thinking like, ah, now I've always wanted to smite that Thranduil and now I finally have the chance. Uh, but rather that this is part of his overall strategy. Essentially, this is like this is going to be the beginning of the War of the Ring right here. Um, mm-hmm. At least, you know, that's his plan. He's going to he's going to he's going to do this sort of preemptively. Remember, that's what Gandalf was afraid of. There's 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 there's, you know, actual text supporting this. Right. Um, Gandalf was afraid that. Sauron was going to use Smaug and Orc armies to destroy the entire north. Once he quells, you know, the 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 last remaining resistance uh in the, you know, in northern Mirkwood um and uh and 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 Rovanian, then he can go across, he can take Smaug and an army of orcs across the mountains and destroy Rivendell. And so, he also would do Lorien too on his way. Wouldn't exactly, he? Would exactly. And he he could even be taking out Mirkwood as a preamble to taking out Lorien. Like I'm going to get rid of the the you know because Thranduil is isolated up there in the north with the dragon on one side and my armies on the other side. So I'll take him out, and then there will be no resistance. We can we can move down and take out Lorien. We can go across the mountains and take out Rivendell, and then we've just got waning Gondor entirely on its own. Which you know then and again presumably he's already started you know, uh, dusting off the chandeliers in Barad-dûr already, so that you know, he's, he's going to be able to attack them from the north and from Mordor you know, game over, this, you know, so again, trying to think strategically um, and again, in, in ways that Tolkien already was thinking strategically, you know the way that Tolkien was already reading that interpretation of strategy back into Gandalf and giving that, in retrospect as what Gandalf's motivation was for helping with this quest in the first place. He wanted to help Thorin, hoping they would get rid of the dragon and therefore make this change this equation radically um, and change Sauron's plans. And it did. The, the ultimate result that we can expect is that by the end of film three, Sauron's plan A for, you know, for global conquest is going to be foiled and he's going to have to fall back on, you know, and wait for several, well, Several decades, yeah. He's gonna. It's even in Jackson's world. It's several decades. He's gonna. He, he's gonna have to wait for several decades, build up new armies, and try again from a totally different approach in the War of the Ring. Changed by the fact that he's going to discover in the meantime that the One Ring is still around and where it is. But um, but anyway. So so uh, so yeah, Dave. This is all to agree with your point about A seems diff- challenging to me. Because what we are being given here is Sauron starting Plan A. You know, this is this is the big this is the big offensive. This is not this is the big surprise attack. It's not. And there's no reason for him to go to Mordor at this point. Right. Exactly. There's no strategic advantage to that. It's not he's got an army in the field in the north, right. which he, you know. So so, I, again, I this is all Dave to agree with you in saying I think that's going to be a hard sell. <laughs> well, that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, he wouldn't. Mordor would be Plan B or even Plan C because I'll bet you we're also going to see them destroy Dol Guldur to its to its foundations. You know, something that didn't happen until the War of the Ring in the books. But, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see it happen after ooh, the Battle of Dol Guldur ooh, movie. So the ooh, mountain will be gone. Yeah, Dol Guldur will be gone. 
he's you know the only place he can go is Mordor at that point. Right. Seems well, much more likely. Seems much more likely Angmar, to me. I Actually, suppose. Corey, I would like to hear your. You were obviously onto something. What, what were you? Yeah. Please, was, Peter Jackson. If we don't get a song battle between Galadriel <laughs> and Sauron, can we at least get Galadriel singing a song of destruction and laying oh, waste to Dol awesome. Guldur? Can we? If we don't get part one of the Luthien Sauron comp- competition, can we get part two of like Dude, when yeah. Luthien levels that place and turns it into a green hill? Um, you know, with uh, with with Finrod's well, I could tomb. Totally see that. So instead, we get the Green Hill with Radagast's tomb? And then Mirkwood magically all turns green as a result of it, with his special movie magic. Yeah, can we get that, please? Peter Jackson, I know you're listening. So when you're, if you're, (laughs) I I assume because everybody... And you're editing, so it can happen either. Yeah, yeah, because I know that, like, while you're sitting there working 18-hour days, trying frantically to get Film 3 ready for delivery, I know that you are listening to our three-hour episodes. So please, Peter Jackson... (laughs) Give us Galadriel transforming, you know, wasting Dol Guldur and turning it into a green and lush hill uh, with song. That will make me so happy. I, 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 the the battle with the song battle with Sauron would make me happier, but that doesn't seem like too much to ask, does it? No, 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 not too much to ask. Okay, good. All right, so okay, so so uh, I was just going to say I think the. I think the most likely way to do his transition to Barad-dûr is is uh, part C. No, not part C. God, part, God, no, not part C. Part D followed by, or I suppose B would work also. B or D, but more likely D followed by the ominous um, end of film cliffhanger, maybe right. even post Marvel style post credit sequence of. Oh um, yeah, the very, 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 uh, you know, sort of a like slow pullback to reveal Barad-dûr, and oh, that's where Sauron's been this and whole the light, time. And the light, and the and the eye goes pop. The eye goes, the eye, the eye opens <laughs> at the top of the tower. The that, that has to happen, right? I mean, <laughs> does that seem like a, as as inevitable as the dawn, or what? I mean, that's it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, Bilbo will have said it'd be like in the first movie, right? Where Bilbo would have said, "Oh, everything's great now." And right. then, you know, we, we do we do the Baradur scene. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Remember, again, that line. And again, I don't know how, how, how carefully he's going to stick to this. Um, remember Frodo in Fellowship of the Ring saying, but he was destroyed. Sauron was destroyed. Um, uh which makes me think that when we return to the frame narrative in movie three, that's how Bilbo is going to end his story. Right. You know, and right. Sauron Bilbo will, will be writing and still thinking that Sauron was destroyed. Well, see, no, but Frodo is going to not have read this yet. Oh, that's right. That's right. So Frodo would still be in ignorance. Well, yeah. except Bilbo writes the book, leaves the book with Frodo. No, he doesn't leave the book with Frodo. No, he takes it with him. Oh, uh, see, that's that's weird. Which means we could return to the frame narrative at a much later point. But and no, I'll save that. Save that. Different episode. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. So far, wow! I am amazed at the polarity of uh, of the of the responses. So far, seventy one percent of people have voted, and everyone has said either A or D. Plus, D's pulled ahead. Okay. You let can, me l- let me say a word. You can see these. Sorry, you can see the strong 
strong uh, uh, bias in our um, in our listeners that there are, are that they're all avid book readers. Yes. yes. Thank <laughs> They just think that Part C is so unthinkable. If we had some, if we had some sort of haven't really read the books or don't care that much about them and are really just hoping to see some really epic battle scenes and stuff type fans in here, C would have a lot more votes. Right. I mean, I would think, I would think that. I mean, that's how it was brought up to me originally was by somebody who was sort of assuming that that was going to happen. You know that that it seems, you know, obvious that Sauron is going to be at the Battle of Five Armies. Um, Bronte has the idea that Sauron could potentially possess people, you know, from, from jump from person to person, kind of like in supernatural, you know, where the black stuff enters and exits people. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> that's possible. I uh, can't rule that out. Um, uh... <laughs> Probable? Uh, hard to say, you know, with Jackson. The problem is it's... My biggest problem with that is not that I think it's it's it's. I mean, the fact that nothing like that happens in the book is not something that is is not where I see the primary obstacle. The primary obstacle seems to be that we've never seen anything like that in yeah. the Lord of the Rings films. There's no hint. Yeah. I mean, if Sauron could be physically involved without endangering himself, you know, just by possessing the body of another person, you'd think he'd have done he that. Have done you know, at the Battle he of Pelennor Field. Of the Rings, I would think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Um, or, or heck, he would have gone to the Shire himself, you know, That's in right. the body of somebody else to look for the ring. Um, so I, I, I got to think that the commanding from the rear thing that he did in the Lord of the Rings is how we would see him operating. You know, that's his M.O. So that's, you know, we think that's that's how uh, um, he'd be operating in uh uh in in the with this battle sequence you know with this army too let me say a word in support of b because i think that b is something that we definitely could see um if we have this is what i could see with if if sauron does in fact feign to flee right if we see him run away if he avoids final conflict with the white council um and fakes like he's been defeated um in the book his feint is just because his plans all along have been for him to return to Baradur and to rule things from there. I um, mean, he, and he's been getting things set up for that. Um, with this now, with the retroactive alteration of the goblin army into an army under the, under the command of Sauron, which as I've said, I find a plausible change. Um, now we have an actual offensive under his, under his orders, already in place. So therefore I can't see him just running away from it. But what I could see him doing is feigning to flee, pretending like he's lost because he doesn't care about Dol Guldur. His army's already left. It's not like it's a strong place or something. He doesn't need Dol Guldur explicitly. So I could easily see him cutting bait and leaving there, just getting, you know, trying to get the White Council out of his hair while he continues to focus on the, on the battle then everything starts going wrong, right? First Smaug dies, uh, and then uh, and then his army is defeated, and then he's like, you know, well, screw it, back to back to Barad-dur. Um, yes. But you know, for him to be somewhere, I don't I don't know where exactly he would be, but for him to be off and and still sending messages, or even just to, uh, for us to get a scene with Azog when Azog is receiving a message from Sauron, we don't have to even have to see him. Right, uh, Sauron himself—that is. We could just, um, you know, 
see Azog receiving a message from Sauron, maybe after the death of Smaug, you know, saying like, okay, you know, forget about the elves, go, you know, go secure the mountain now that Smaug is dead. Um, you know, it's all up to you now, Azog. Like, I, 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 I could see that kind of thing, you know, so B definitely seems to me plausible. I, I, I'm, I'm, I am, um, C seems to me almost impossible. A seems to me very unlikely. Um, I have to say, for the reasons that Dave was arguing, B seems to me very plausible. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, I like, um, I like the idea of uh, the battles happening sort of contemporaneously. Um, that's, that's one thing we discussed before and kind of I don't know, I think I, I at least didn't like it because I felt like it would detract from the Battle of Five Armies, but now this is kind of a neat idea where what if he is directing the Orc armies at the Battle of Five Armies? It still sort of begs the question of why did he send them there, um, but what if he's directing that and at the same time under assault by the White Council interfering in his ability to direct that battle and right. that eventually maybe the decision to flee is made based on the way things go. Smog dies... Um, you know, the the tide turns. The only issue with that, of course, is Gandalf has to be at two places at once. Exactly. And that's why I don't believe that. Because I do think yeah. Gandalf is going to be in both places. So I, I, it is for, it is exactly for that reason that I don't think they're going to happen at the same time. Um, hmm. Interesting. Um, would you want to, do you want to... Uh, if I, I'm ready to vote and give my theory, but uh, I know you have got to go soon, Dave. So I am as well. Yeah, I should just go ahead and go on record. Yeah, just in go case ahead. I to, go uh, ahead, Jed. Uh, I think it will be D. I'm going with. I'm going with. He will disappear toward the end of the Battle of Dol Guldur mysteriously. They'll be frustrated because Saren has escaped again. Where did he go? Who knows? G- Gandalf will feel like um, it's even more of an emergency for him to get to the mountain just in case Sauron shows up there. If there is a concern that he's heading there, it kind of would beg the question, why why do Galadriel and Saruman not also go to the mountain? Why is it just Gandalf if they think Sauron's going to show up there? But whatever, set that aside. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, That creates more of an emergency, and then that will be left as a mystery, like something that that will be worrying Gandalf amidst the celebrations and 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 um, mourning at the end of the Battle of Five Armies. Like, yay, we won! Oh, it's sad. Uh, um, Thorin's dead. Um, but what happened to Sauron? Uh oh, what's he up to? Right. And then the audience will get a reveal that he's back in Barad-dûr, and right. it'll set up the next the next film that we've already seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm going with D. All right, that makes sense to me. How about you, Trish? I'm a D girl. Yeah. I just think I think that just just makes the most sense to me. I mean, especially when I asked you my question. I mean, I do think we're going to end up seeing him established at Barador, but you're absolutely right. During Battle of Armies, there's no reason for him to go there yet. I mean, he's just going to be lurking, hanging out, seeing how things go, and then make his decision at that point. And then you know he'll lose Dolgaldur, and he won't have any choice. So I think it's going to be D. He's just we, we won't know where he's gone. He could pop up anywhere, but. You know, he's sort of a mystery during the Battle of Five Armies. Right, right. Um, well, I'm going to say D2. Um, and the, my, main, <laughs> my main thinking there is that I think... 
I kind of think that the method of communication between the only reason that I I'm not saying B is that I think that the method of communication is going to be too awkward. Um, you know, how's he going to talk to Azog? He obviously right. couldn't just like telepathically communicate with Azog, or he'd have done it when Azog was at Bjorn's house. You know, Bjorn wouldn't have had or Azog wouldn't have had to come back to be commanded in person. So. Um, and, and not only that, but he sent a runner. I mean, like, uh, you know, another goblin showed up to Azog and is like, the master wants to talk to you. So obviously he can't, he doesn't have any method of telepathically communicating with Azog remotely. Um, so he can't do that. Um, he could send another message. You know, we could get a series of runners going back and forth. We could even have one of the Nazgul show up as a particularly creepy and rather ineffective messenger. But I don't think that's really going to happen. I, 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 I've even had a, um, uh, a sort of horrible thought of, like, uh, you know, the ravens being commandeered uh, as instruments of evil and them being used as... as but I refuse to believe that of Roach. That's I, I don't uh, no, you know that can't be. Mouth. It can't, in fact, be. Roach is going to be a good guy. I'm telling you, man. I am hanging everything on Roach in film three. So, um... <laughs> darn it. Um, uh, or alternatively, evil ravens. he could send bat messengers. Bats. And then bats. Roach and the ravens and the bat messengers could fight in the Battle of Five Armies. Um... That would be excellent. It would be excellent, but improbable. So I don't think any of these things are likely to occur. Um, therefore, this is why in the end I'm not going with B, because I, I can't think of any really compelling way that that communication could actually happen. Therefore, but instead, I like the narrative turn um, that option D presents. That is, um, that at the be- what we get in film three is the turning of the tide. You know, film three is when everything starts falling apart with Sauron's plan A, right? You know, we get... And basically, Gandalf is the linchpin of that, which seems satisfying from a narrative standpoint. It is Gandalf's insistence on going into Del Guldur that will be the turning point of everything. So now the White Council... Because Gandalf is there, now the White Council shows up and Sauron ends up running away, and so he's not there to lead his armies. So that when Azog... Um, I, my prediction is that when Azog leads the army, the, the army to, to the Lonely Mountain, he's doing that completely off his own bat. He's got no commands now, and the dragon is dead, and he's just like, uh, let's go to the mountain. So they are basically without the guidance or the assistance of Sauron or the Nazgul because they've been driven out by the White Council. And then the dragon dies, and then you know, you've know you got everybody converging on the mountain to fight off Azog, and, and Azog and company lose, um, being unable to get into the mountain and uh, uh, and thus everything is beaten back and then we get Sauron with the reveal. He's back in Baradur saying curses, I'm going to wait 60 years and then I'm going to get those jerks. <laughs> um, Dave, so, you have a shuttle to catch, don't you? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I need to go. I did want to point out uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but as we um, gave our answers of D and explained our rationale uh, the the balance of votes shifted towards A. <laughs> towards A, yeah, exactly. That's right. It's just what people were waiting for. People were waiting to Smart see listeners. where we all committed ourselves and then go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it, yep. It's all it, actually. Actually, the the wisest thing that anyone said today is Bronte said, "You never really can know with Peter." Jackson. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, All right. Well, okay. I should go. Yeah, they will let you okay. go. We'll, We're just going to wrap things yeah, up. Yeah, we'll give a couple guys. announcements and then and then go. But... Feel free to continue talking for another 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> could happen. <laughs> otherwise, the, otherwise, the listeners will be disappointed. <laughs> are the ones that are just now signing in will, you know, will, you know, will be sad that they That's lost, right. you know, they lost so much. Sure. Um, so let's see. When's our when's our next one? By the way, we I think. Are we going oh yeah, we don't really Friday? know that for sure, do we? Well, we're still going to try to be in shooting range. Of our, you know, our normally scheduled time would be Friday week. You know, a week from this coming Friday, twenty seventh. The twenty seventh. Right? Yeah. Um, I, thought, I thought we were back on track. Or no, we're not. Well, you know me. I'll be in touch. Yeah, we'll right, we'll good. sort that out. It, it, we we will be either on Friday the twenty seventh or close to it. So. Cool. As, as close as we can arrange. Because I think I think for the twenty seventh, Dave, I think you're probably the only question, right, Corey? I mean, you're you're okay. I'm good. Corey, right I'm now. good on Friday the twenty seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, twenty so seventh. Twenty seventh also works for me. All right. Cool. Well, let's just do it. Let's go back to Friday you know, the twenty seventh. You know, and then we'll do it for this. You know, I, we'll just keep it the same usual time, and then if you need to come in a little bit later, you can do that. Cool. Yep. yep. Cool. All right. Excellent. Go okay, have fun. Thanks, Dave. Go have fun at Microsoft. Yes, I will. It'll be a thrill minute. Anyway, <laughs> yep. Talk to you guys a little later. Okay, bye, okay. Dave. Bye. Okay, so uh, now I'm showing 86% voted here. Do you have a different number on nope, yours? No, that's um, that's what I'm showing okay. too. Might as well uh, close it. I think. I think. Right. I think I'll do it. it. I'll do it. Don't you do it. I'll do it. I'll do it, and I'll share it. Okay. okay. Here we go. Just an even split, fifty-fifty. Yep. Yep. Um, I can't remember. Is this? Have we ever before had one where not where? People only voted on two. No, options? no. We've had some where there's been one only. You know, one of them had no votes, but we've never had one where just three of them had no votes. Them. Yeah, yes. yeah. That seems like, the, as I say, the, the 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 polarization of this one seems to me. This is going to be an interesting one because you know we could end up being incredibly surprised. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, of there's there. There are a lot of options that everybody here seems to be very confident are not going to happen, and that seems like a recipe for disaster. By the way, I don't. I don't think you listen to the jungle drums out in the fan verse, but and I and I barely do. But the drums are loud enough now for me to pay attention to the fact that people are starting to get really antsy about the fact that no trailers come out yet. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So there's a big thing going on. Isn't you it know, early? Oh, where's the trailer? There should be a trailer. You know, the other last year, you know, I guess the trailers were out for the other two by this time. So I don't know. I think he's probably leading up to isn't comic-con's next month right it's in july i don't expect to see much from him until comic-con yeah that's what i was kind of waiting Seems for to me like comic-con would be the big yeah the big splash so yeah. anyway it's pretty funny yeah huh. okay yeah no well, I, I, I think was... yeah, I, I don't have anything more to add i don't think no Maybe i don't think so just a couple quick announcements um right. announcement number one is uh <laughs> just to to invite you to to continue to join me for the Book of Lost Tales class, which has been a lot of fun. We are uh, we are going to be doing the arrival of the elves, and the we're going to talk about the Silmarils and, and the darkening of Valinor um, uh, this week. So we continue to sort of explore Tolkien's original version of the mythology, looking at his early thoughts on these things, and it's fascinating to see both the similarities and the way that his thinking has been changing. Um, you know, to really kind of get a, a, a sort of a sense of the overall 
Tolkien's earlier thinking just feels different than his later thinking. You know, it really is a different world. Um, and it's really interesting to kind of get acquainted with it. So, um, uh, so I definitely... I, I have to tell you, I have to share this with you guys. Uh, on the Tolkien Society Facebook page yesterday, there is this wonderful, obviously new book fan who posted and said... Is anybody else aware of the fact that when uh, Tolkien, you know, uh, published Lord of the Rings, there was a whole section that didn't get published that had a whole thing to do with, with theology and the and 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 a, and a pantheon called the Valor. <laughs> Does anybody know about that? And at first, I was like, "Are you kidding?" And then I thought, "Oh my gosh, you know, how far have we come?" That that all of us that my reaction was, "Yeah." So anyway, so. Other people said yes, it was a Silmarillion, and actually it was a separate book. And he tried to get it published at the same time, and he couldn't. And then, and then I wrote, um, "Yeah, you know, you, you get to read the Silmarillion, and then when you're done with the Silmarillion, you can there's more. Right. You can go read a whole other version of it." <laughs> so I was envious, actually. I ended up being envious of this person. Yeah. That they made this incredible discovery, and they had that all in front of them. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, that's uh, t- uh, Tuesday yeah, evening at 9.30. We'll be going back to the Book of Lost Tales. So that'll be fun. Um, uh, Myth Moot, we apologize for uh, continued delays, but the delays are almost over. I've been traveling for the last two weeks. We're trying to finalize. Um, we've mentioned this before. We are... Um, uh, it's a technology delay. It's a technology delay. We, we, we're, yeah. Myth Moot will be our first launch of uh, the brand new registration system that we're going to be using at Mythgard and Signum for all of our courses and everything in the future. Um, but Myth Moot is our sort of our pioneering one. So we've been taking a while to kind of work out the kinks. There's still one kink I'm trying to work out in it. Um, once we get that done, which should be soon, I'm hoping even for something in the next day or two, um, then we now the dates and that. the pricing, however, are are posted yes. on the Mythgard page for yes. Mythmood. So if you need to block the dates out, make your travel arrangements, all that kind of stuff, and and also do the budget, you'll know the dates and and what the costs are, and you can kind of decide what kind of tickets you're going to want to be buying. That's right. That's right. Yep. So um, so that's that's all there, but and the actual signups will be accessible very soon. So. Right. Um, so keep your eye out for that announcement, which I will be making very joyfully and really, <laughs> I promise, quite soon. Um, last, uh, last episode we did was right before I was departing for right. a long trip. I've just gotten home. And we were optimistically hoping we could get it open before you left. But yeah, but that was not able to happen. So, yeah. 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 We don't want to have the thing go out and have there be glitches. So Right, right. You know, we're, we're running tests and stuff and want to make sure that it's good to go. Exactly. But that's almost done. So, um, almost done. Yeah, so that should be... that should be. Uh, and we're still ahead of where we've been before with opening up registration. That so. is true. Way ahead of, <laughs> there's like, a, there's November, a... <laughs> which is when we opened them for the December event in year one. So, yes, yes. <laughs> Very different. Um, oh, dear. Good, but I, and I think that that is all the announcements we have right now. Anything else you can think of, Trish? I can't think of anything. Oh, well, anything. one other thing that I mentioned, I mentioned this on uh, on Twitter a, a while back, but uh, um, my uh, uh, my book was not was uh, named a finalist for the Mythopoeic Award again in Inkling Studies. Oh, awesome! Um, so uh, that will be fun. I'm looking for. I'm going to definitely be going to MythCon this year, the Mythopoeic Society Conference in August in Wheaton, Massachusetts. Um, 
Uh, so that will be fun. I don't well, fingers crossed. know that it will win this year. Last year, I was very confident it wouldn't win because I was sure that Verlin Flieger's book was very rightly going to win as it did. Was that last year? It was the year before last. That was last year. Verlin was that, was the one I, that was last year. I, the one I went to was Verlin. Oh, that was last oh, year? Okay. Yeah. Was it last year? It totally was. <laughs> okay. I know it was last year because that was that was the weekend I was actually moving from Delaware to New Hampshire. So I was oh, like, okay. Okay. I was like on a moving Gosh. truck uh, while that was happening last year. So I was thinking I'd missed a MythCon since I presented, but I guess nope. it, no, I guess it was last year. It was last year. <laughs> no, okay. it seems Gosh. like longer than it's been. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. And Berlin's had actually, I think Berlin's had actually been in the running for more than, more than a, a year. Yeah. That too. often happens. They, so, they qualify, yeah. you know, b- books qualify to be finalists for like the first five years after they're released. Right. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's relatively common for finalists that don't win one year to return the next year. So anyway, but it was, Fingers it crossed. was, it was nice. It was, on, it was an honor yeah. to be named a finalist. Again. It's an honor to be nominated. I that's know. Right. I know. That's right. <laughs> Well, if you do win, I know there's going to be Mythgard students there, so they can take you out for a big celebration. That will be fun. That will be fun. I yes. will. Uh... And and maybe even if you don't win, they'll still take you out <laughs> for a big celebration. <laughs> celebration will probably occur one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine so. Good. Excellent. Right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. And we have actually done, believe it or not, we've actually barely gone over an hour and a half of actual episodes. So um, that's that's refreshingly disciplined this week. So how about that? Um, very good. So, uh, so as always, I will say thanks for listening and Godspeed.